0: As you can tell, we're going to be in a psalm today uh, focusing in on thanksgiving and how we can uh, be thankful. And actually, one of the things we'll highlight is this idea that thankfulness is supposed to permeate our lives. It is supposed to be an expression uh, that can't be contained uh, in the life of a believer. And so we'll be diving in uh, to Psalm 105, 1 through 6, I call Seeking and Telling. Uh, But I had a question to ask, when when things go poorly, and think about this, we love to shift the focus away from ourselves, don't we? When things aren't right, somebody else has to be to blame. Uh, Like the boy who came home with a poor report card, handed it to his dad, and then asked, what do you think caused these poor grades, my genetics or my surroundings? And I always went with genetics with my dad, so I just (laughs) went there. But let things go well, and the only thing we hear is the greatness of the person achieving it. There is minimal regard for the work of others. A running back talks mostly about their amazing run, not the key blocks and play calling that made it possible. Successful professionals talk of their drive and their focus, rarely of the parents that instilled it. And Christians quickly promote their work for the Lord, instead of promoting the grace and goodness of God in using them for the work. You see, when things are how we like them, we focus on ourselves. Gratitude is the exact opposite of that, which goes counterculture to our world where we're constantly elevating self. Gratitude is the elevation of someone else. Being thankful means thinking and focusing on what someone else has done, what someone else has accomplished for you. It is seeing the work of others, acknowledging it, and having it shape who you are. Gratitude is a perspective, not a periodic occurrence. And for the believer, gratitude is critical. Our thankfulness to God is really key to our spiritual survival, Lack of gratitude can lead to self-elevating theology, to explaining away God's Word, to embrace our selfish culture, to excusing ourselves from work because we've done enough or we are too busy. Lack of gratitude can destroy any effectiveness that we could have. So as we look this morning at the topic of thankfulness, gleaning lessons and actions from Psalm 105 before we started, I just wanted to give an overview or a picture of what biblical thankfulness looks like. I'm going to just run through a few items just to, to get our mind thinking about how important thankfulness is. Uh, thanksgiving is commanded. Psalm 50 14 says, Offer unto God thanksgiving and pay thy vows unto the Most High. It is also commended. Psalm 34 through 5 says, Sing unto the Lord, O ye saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness, for his anger endureth but a moment in his favor, is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Thanksgiving is given in times of trial. Look at the life of Daniel. Daniel 6.10 states this. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, which was a rule that he couldn't pray, couldn't bow down to any other god except for the king, he went into his house and his windows being opened, In his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. It's given in times of protection. Psalm 9, 1 and then 4 through 5 says this, I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth all thy marvelous works, for thou hast maintained my right hand and my cause. Thou saddest in the throne judging right, Thou hast rebuked the heathen, thou hast destroyed the wicked, thou hast put out their name forever and ever. Thanksgiving is given before a simple meal. John 6, 11 says, And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that sat down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they could. But it's also given for the completion of a major project. Go to Nehemiah 12, 27. And if you're following along, trying to flip through your Bible and keeping up, I'm impressed. So... uh, (laughs) Because I, I have to write all my verses down for fear I won't be able to find them up here. Uh, it goes on it says, And at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought the Levites out of all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to keep the dedication with gladness, both with thanksgiving and with singing, with cymbals, psalteries, and with harps. We are not to be casual or occasional about thanksgiving. Instead, it's supposed to be in constant abundance in our lives. Colossians two seven reads this: "Rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving." Because we are instructed to be constantly giving thanks here on earth. Ephesians five twenty says, "Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ." First Thessalonians five eighteen. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I hope we're getting the idea that God cares about thanksgiving and that thanksgiving is a critical disposition that should be in every believer. It's good practice because we will find that it's given eternally in heaven as well. Revelation 7 9 through 12 says this After this, I beheld and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the lamb clothed with white robes and palms in their hands and cried with a loud voice saying salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the lamb and all the angels round stood around about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts and fell before the throne on their faces and worshiped God saying, amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. Thanksgiving is due God and will be given forever. So as we enter this holiday season, the Thanksgiving holiday, that thought should permeate. If you walk away with nothing, walk away with this we are supposed to be thankful, not periodically, not when we feel like it, not just when everything is right, not when we just finished something great. We're commanded, commended. We're driven to constantly be thankful to him. It is what he deserves, and it frames how we act and how we live our Christian life. This morning, we're going to dive into Psalm 105, looking at the first six verses, and I hope we can gain some practical insight into accomplishing thankfulness in the everyday of our lives. So throughout Scripture, there are lessons on how we can be thankful, how we can implement thankfulness into what we do, and I'm hoping that some of these insights will help us gain a perspective of gratitude. There's no way in one sermon we would ever be able to cover everything we need to be thankful because I hope you can see with my speed read through all the verses from Old to New Testament, thankfulness is commanded and commended and exemplified and we see that it permeates everything. But we dive into Psalm 105 and I wanna begin looking at Psalm 105 verse four, which says this, seek the Lord and his strength, seek his face evermore. You see, we're called to seek. And seek means here in Psalms to, to be intent on or to go to a place to frequent it. So there's an idea of, of diligence in going there. It's to have a relationship. It's to investigate. The idea, if you're looking from a search perspective, is to search diligently. It often surprises me how diligently my kids will search for a lost toy. Every cushion removed, every drawer dumped out, everything in the house turned over to find the desired item. But have that same kid go look for socks in their own sock drawer, any sock, we're we're happy with anything. And they come back in 15 seconds saying, there's no socks. I'm like, there's socks, we know it. Because all they did was take a passing look at the room and say, I look for them, they weren't there. Thankfulness requires that we seek God. You will not be thankful if you're not seeking God, if you're not pursuing God, but it can't be for 15 seconds. It must be a diligent search. Seek God that way, and then it says, seek for his strength. Now, when you look at the word strength, there's many connotations connected to strength. Firmness, fortress, refuge, majesty, protection, but the one that's shining out of this psalm is the concept of a hero, someone who accomplishes what we cannot fathom doing ourselves. See, sometimes we think of seeking God's strength because he's a good extra bonus on the tug of war of life. I'll add God to my, my team and then I will win. Versus when we seek him in, in the concept of him being the hero, the hero accomplishes it for you. You don't. You don't not that you're doing nothing. It's just that you recognize that it's not him helping you, but really him accomplishing it for you. He is the hero and not yourself. See, when discouragement comes, we often revert to self-help. We bolster our own courage and confidence, making it even harder to be thankful, to see God working mightily on our behalf, to see his hand orchestrating and sustaining us. It is crucial that we seek His strength and not our own. So we seek him as the hero of the story and toss out our own self bolstered confidence and courage. Our hearts can only rejoice in gratitude when all of self is stripped away and he is the hero of the story and your complete confidence is safely grounded in him. Because the hero is the one who is adored, the hero is the one that is sought. Trusted to carry the day. It's the hero from whom no one attempts to steal the glory. It is the hero that is showered in thanksgiving. We don't compete with the hero, but instead relish the time we get in honoring them. God, the only real hero, when seen by us as such, never needs to compete for attention, praise, or gratitude. And if he is in your life, you recognize that you've made yourself the hero of your own story. Seek his strength. And then it says, seek his face, which in scripture, when you're seeking someone's face, you're seeking their presence. And the idea here is that you're seeking his company, but, but deeper than that, you're seeking the relationship that comes with it, to desire to be with him constantly. And so this Psalm, and we're going to talk about the start of, Oh, give thanks. Centered in there is this idea that to be thankful to God, you must seek him, and you must seek him the right way, diligently, not a passing interest. He's not just something you think about periodically, but instead there's a diligent search for him. And you seek him as the hero, and you seek to be with them because you desire his company. I put as a question but is God the hero of our stories? Do we seek to be with the hero constantly? Diligently pursue God and it will change your perspective because what you find will perpetually drive you to worship and thankfulness. Thankfulness is a perspective that requires seeking, and then it prompts us to tell. And this is the rest of those verses 1 through 3 and 5 through 6. O give thanks unto the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people, sing unto him. Sing psalms unto him. Talk ye of all his wondrous works. Glory ye in his holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Verse five Remember his marvelous works that he hath done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. O ye seed of Abraham, his servant, ye children of Jacob, his chosen. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are on all the earth. Now you can tell what people are excited about by what they talk about. People who love vacationing, I mean, they're really driven by it and live for it, talk about vacation and plans for vacation. Sometimes when they're talking, I'm like, am I even qualified to take a vacation because it takes this much planning and and foresight? Uh, Those who love baseball, listen to baseball and talk baseball. I remember years ago, and I think it's about 19 years ago, uh, I was in New York City with Heather watching a Broadway show. Uh, and I remember going there, and there was a guy there watching this Broadway show, tickets about $100 apiece, and he was listening to a baseball game. I think back then all they had was radio. I don't know. I can't remember what technology was prevalent. But he was there listening to the Yankees on the radio or or whatever device he had. And, and I'm not anti-Yankees. I don't want Amanda to get upset at me. But there's something about being an anti-fan that that I relish And so we were in New York City. Uh, Thankfully, it was a World Series game. Um, And this is where I know I'm a a bad person because um, the Yankees lost that game and lost the World Series. And I felt some joy that he had wasted his time listening to a game where they lost the game and the World Series. And that's because I'm a horrible person. And the Yankees aren't bad. It just, I just want you to know, that's how I am. If I'm in your city, I'm rooting against you. So this is how I am. But either way, everyone around this guy, and we weren't seated near him, everyone knew what his priority was. And it was definitely not watching a Broadway show. It was catching the game because baseball was the thing. That's what he cared about. The fact is, when it comes to Thanksgiving, we make it known. We reveal it, likely, though, through instruction. Uh, This would have been the point of the whole psalm, that through their thanksgiving, praying, and singing, they were a witness to the nations around them and a testimony to the glory and power of the Lord. They make it known. And here's a quick question. What do we make known about God? Does our thankfulness prompt us to make him known, to make it obvious to, to broadcast that, that, that all we can think about or all we point to is God in that moment. Can it make us stand up when everyone else is seated? Can it make us sing out in a way that as we worship our Lord that abundantly, we are that grateful to him that we sing it out because we want to make him known. Do we make him known? Are we really that thankful? Because the fact is, and, and the psalm reiterates, we must talk. And what's interesting, I looked the word up there, and it means to put forth, to give loud, enthusiastic, emotionally laden speech. And, and I thought about that in my own life because I, have, uh, I always tell my kids, they're, they're mutts and I'm purebred because I'm purebred Dutch. Not that that's really something to be proud of, but either way. You take what you've been given in life and you work with it. And that's what I'm doing here. We're not known to be the most emotionally driven people. I always say we're known for being gangly and gawky and horrible at basketball. Um, maybe it, we're decent at soccer. I don't know. But I'm not the most emotionally driven personality. I, I describe myself as the tin man, that I lack a heart. But God calls us to engage our emotions in thanksgiving. We don't just talk about him. We are passionate about him, not as a suggestion, but as a command. Are you passionate for him? We all can tell the difference between a casual fan and an avid fan in sports, right? Casual fan have a t-shirt. Avid fans paint their bodies and stand in frigid temperature cheering for their team like it's going to make a difference. You can gather what kind of fan I am. (laughs) Casual fan with a coat if I'm at a game. My family's not known to be loyal either. I had brothers went to a, it was a Capitals Flyers game. And my brothers were Flyers fans. And I think I've told this story before. They're in their Flyers jerseys. And hockey has three periods that you go through. And after the first period, uh, the Flyers were losing. So my brothers blew 150 bucks a pop to get Capitals jerseys to put them on, and then the capital started losing, and they switched again. So They didn't even have enough integrity to stick with it. That's not an avid fan, an unintelligent one who wastes a lot of money, but not avid. If you switch jerseys, not avid. But the avid fan, we know. We know what it means to be there and to be that engaged in the team and in the game. Thankfulness is nurtured when we are avid tellers and proclaimers not when we own a t-shirt. Too much of Christianity in a Western easy world, because we, we live with minimal persecution, even though we see it in increasing, it's nothing compared to what the world around us sees. We are too often t-shirt wearers. Our Christianity is a t-shirt, and sadly, one that we're willing to change if it doesn't seem like we're winning. Thankfulness is nurtured in the realm of avid fanship. Real thankfulness to God requires you to be completely committed. But to make known, to tell, requires something of us that we remember, which means to keep in mind. We must be actively thinking about or meditating on what God has done and the unique ways he works. We must um, see his wonders, And that's the miraculous things of God. And then we need to understand his judgment. He is holy, perfect, and right. Too often when we see his judgment, we see a God who we think is is dictating on us. That's how the world likes to portray God, that he's whipping us, he's punishing us. And the reality is this, when you see God's judgment and you recognize that he's holy, perfect, and right, You take comfort in knowing there is no injustice when God judges. We know of injustice, don't we? Rulings that don't go the way they should. When we walk a journey and you think that's not fair, right? Our world is not fair. And we're going to encounter those things and maybe more so. I was just sharing with Theron uh, with the ministry in Nicaragua, and we have pressure from the government there to try to steal the property to the extent that we're moving computers off the property because we don't know if they're going to try to steal the property. Is it fair? No. But it's the world. We can expect the world to come unfairly. What you can expect from God, though, is that he will be right and he will be just. What a comfort to know that the holy, perfect, righteous God will always judge righteously, that there will be justice. It's hard to be thankful and grateful to God when we keep everything we know about him a secret. The world, and I I speak of our culture, teaches that we should keep our faith private. I'm sure all of us have heard that before. Hey, you, you can have your faith, but you keep it to yourself. It's just between you and God. But scripture mandates the opposite. We're to reveal and tell about him. We are to keep God in mind at all times. Now, I know a specific culture dictates a different methodology. In a Muslim-controlled world, they limit free speech. You cannot speak out in what we call the public street corner type of way. In China, when you go there, I had Christians, you're warned to be careful because you don't want to be accused by the government of trying to convert someone who's a Chinese national. So you might change how you approach it, but you don't change that you speak. And actually, if you read about people ministering in Muslim-speaking worlds, uh, they're more thankful and more proclaiming than we would ever be. The fact is, no matter where you are, you're to reveal him. You're to make him known. Our faith is not our little secret tucked away forever. Instead, it is life and breath It should be the essence of who we are. What does that mean? If our faith in Christ and he and what he's done on the cross is the essence of who we are, then not revealing God should equate to not being. Let that sink in a little bit. How much of who you are is revealing who he is? How much of your focus is telling of him? Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name. That's the first part of verse one. But do we give thanks? Are we grateful? Do we have a perspective of thankfulness? So often I know we are periodically thankful. I find it in my own heart. So here we're sitting in a a Thanksgiving service and people are singing songs of thankfulness. And I watch God's people worship. And so thanksgiving comes easier. You're you're led in worship by other believers and and carried forward. And I think that's a beautiful, uh, beautiful part of fellowship in, in his family and in his church. But then I have to ask myself, but am I thankful like that outside of this? Because this is supposed to prompt us to carry that thankfulness forward into the all of life. If all is perfect and we have Some free time to reflect, that's when we're thankful. But God wants more than that. He wants us to live out boldly our gratitude to him. And it's not an easy task, but it's necessary. And he has given us insight into accomplishing it. So are we seeking him? And then are we telling about him? Do we make known our God through our gratitude? God has done everything for us, and it shouldn't be such a struggle as a believer to be grateful regardless of the circumstances. And I'm sure we can tell it's, it's harder to be grateful when things are difficult, when we're suffering, when we're journeying through oppression or difficulties of, of whatever type there might be. But we have to keep this in mind. Ultimately, God sent his son Jesus to earth for the sole purpose of redeeming his creation, us, humans, from their sin and rebellion. He gave all so that we could have eternal life. Jesus is the one who lived perfectly, died sacrificially, and rose victoriously from the grave, all so we can have eternal life. Understandably, if you don't know Christ personally, if you've never repented and believed, you would not be able to show real gratitude to a Savior you do not believe in. Though I want you to know nothing prevents you today from putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and believing exclusively on him for forgiveness of sins. But Christians, we should be ashamed. And I use that word on purpose. We should be ashamed when we lack gratitude because we do know the one and only Savior. We do know his sacrifice and forgiveness. We do know his dying on the cross for our sins. We do know the victory of his resurrection and reign eternally. We do know eternal life, so let's live out our gratitude in light of that. We are grateful to him, and I'm going to go all the way back to the idea of a hero, because he did something for us that we cannot do for ourselves. And the response of a believer is gratitude, And that gratitude is not just a quick thank you or maybe even just a song or two here and there, but instead is expressed in a life committed to him, knowing that everyone in the world needs the same hero. So as believers, let's live out our gratitude in light of what he's done boldly in our world. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this opportunity we have to come together, to come worship you, uh, to spend time singing songs of thanksgiving, Uh, to, as a body of believers, come together uh, to worship, but also to be reminded of what you've done, uh, to express our gratitude boldly, to know and sing praises to you, because you are a redeeming God. You are a great God. You are a mighty God. And Lord, keep that forever in our minds. And as believers, I hope We will forever be thinking of what you've done on the cross for our sins, how you came to earth as a baby, something we'll be celebrating here in the next season. And I hope we can be grateful for that, that you lived a perfect life. I hope we can be grateful for that as well, to die on the cross, uh, to buy us back from the sin we chose. I hope we proclaim that to a lost world around us, that no matter what people say about us, they cannot deny the fact that we sing your praises and that we lift your name high to glorify you, that we're grateful and thankful for what you've done for us. In your precious and holy name, amen.